All right, well, welcome everybody. Tom Miller here from Leaders Building Leaders and really excited to spend about 45 minutes with you talking about something that's so important to your leadership, transformational leadership. How do we, how do we transform, transforming ourselves and transforming uh, the people that we serve so we can transform the organizations uh, to what they, they aim to be. Real quick, if this is your first time uh, either being on one of our webinars or one of our sessions, my name's Tom and I am the owner of Leaders Building Leaders and we are the fastest growing leadership training company in North Carolina serving uh, public charter schools, school leaders, business leaders, uh, other organizations and nonprofits. Um, so really excited uh, to, to share uh, this lesson today uh, with you. It's a lesson that I learned uh, a little bit over five years ago and I can tell you, uh, if you know me over the last five years and you feel that I've had any little bit of growth, personally or professionally, uh, it's pretty much due to what you're about to learn uh, during our sessions uh, today. So you've got chat box opportunities. If you need me to slow down uh, or, or repeat something, I certainly can. Uh, you should have the ability to unmute yourself as well. If you want to uh, come in and ask a question, I'll give opportunities uh, for questions and uh, comments as well at the end. And hopefully you received uh, the uh, workbook I sent you. So you should have had a downloadable workbook uh, to be able to uh, fill in the blank in some of your responses and, and really capture some of your gems, um, your own thoughts uh, down on paper to create your action. So here we go. What I would love for you to first do is to type into the chat bar, what's one area you desire your team or individuals to execute at a higher level? So you can write it down, put it in the chat bar, whatever you want to do. What is the one area you desire your team or individuals to execute at a higher level? And I, and I remember uh, not only when I was a principal, but since I've owned my business and, and, and even being a, a, a state consultant, um, the one thing that I always wanted my, my team to execute at a higher level was really bringing ideas to the table or, or, or initiating um, opportunities uh, uh, for us, right? To initiate and, and carry it out uh, was a real, real critical part uh, for us. And so, so I don't know about you, uh, whether, you know, whether you had any specifics about what, what you would want uh, your team uh, to do. What is one area that you may have had them? Oh yeah, I love that one. So so there's there's an example in the box. Actually, right, what I want uh, them to execute <laughs> is to whatever the goal was that we were trying to, whatever we were trying to achieve, right? Whatever that goal uh, might be. So it might be in carrying out a, a small task uh, or just maybe teaching their classroom, uh, you know, as a teacher, you know, sometimes I always thought about that. So let me just take you a little bit about memory lane. Now, you know, I'm, I'm 43 years old, right? So, but I, but I remember, I remember having to uh, go back and, and to, uh, when I took a picture, you, you would drive, you would drive, you would take this film out of the camera and you would, you know, make sure to protect it. And you would, you would drive it down, you know, maybe 10, 15 miles away, I mean, you know, whatever it was to the nook. To, to this booth and this booth you would give your film over and uh and 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 maybe in a week or so uh they would give you an envelope back that had all of your photos in it right so i'm sure many of you remember that so you never really knew whether your pictures were any good so they'd come back and they'd have red eyes or they'd be blurry because of action or whatever it would be but now today i mean our phones are these unbelievable cameras that we can take a picture we can take a look at the picture and we could shoot it we can shoot it across the world in a matter of seconds. In fact, we could take a hundred shots of ourselves, you know, to be honest, to make sure uh, that it's absolutely uh, perfect. So we get more chats coming in here. Yeah, more, more, more independence is what we want our teams to have, or more team environment, or an understanding of the buy-in to the overall mission and culture. Yeah, those are all those are all really great. You know, to be more independent, you know, working to to initiate. Uh, more of a team environment, right? To to handle those problems, right? Those 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 uncomfortable conversations, and then uh, the more understanding of the buy-in to the overall mission. Yeah, those are those are all great examples, right? So so just think of that. You know, what was the overall mission of you know uh, Kodak, right? 
I mean, they they didn't they didn't continue to grow, right? They didn't continue to to um, you know challenge a status quo, and and now you know they're they're no longer in in existence. How about this? Do you remember? Do you remember when when Apple computers or you know you know the first real um, you know Mac Mac DOSes, uh, they were giant. You know they were absolutely huge. My father was just actually telling me about how you know he worked for Verizon and 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 he was part of the first team that that, that did a um, what we know as FaceTime now, right? What we know as FaceTime now. And so he was telling me that the size of the computer was about the size of his bedroom now, right? Just to just to make that first initial FaceTime like you know video conference. But now there's more technology in our phones. There's more technology in our phones than they're like, you know, is on is on like a uh, NASA rocket, right? <laughs> a tiny little device. But but look at the innovation. Everybody on this you know session live or uh, recorded, those those desktop computers. That's not 30 years ago, right? That's the that's the mid mid to early 80s. Look how much we've changed in 30 years. How about this? Do you remember remember how exciting it was to get mail, right? It was my wife's birthday over the weekend. So the first thing when she came home, she was so excited to check the mailbox or to see actual physical mail because we just don't get mail anymore. Well, mail like maybe we'd like to have, right? There's there's three or four thousand emails, you know, sitting in one of my one of my junk spam email boxes. I mean, just the, the, the emails come, you know, they're relentless over and over. But think about you know, the innovation from sending something snail mail, which we're all excited to actually receive nowadays when it's not junk mail, when it's actually a written letter or a card. You know, I know, you know, I always appreciate that compared to getting emails that just come over and over and over again. What about this? Remember choosing as a family, you would go, right? You'd, you'd go to the movie store on a, on a Friday and then, and then you would actually you know, choose a movie as, as a family compared to now everybody, <laughs> if you're like my family, everybody sitting on the couch has their own device, you know, streaming, streaming something, streaming some sort of video. There's so many options at your fingertips. You don't even go to the movie theater anymore. And I remember recently a, a school principal asked me if we could turn the school around, you know, the schools were struggling. They had a lot of, you know, culture issues and organizational health issues. And I looked at him, I said, they're now 3D printing organs and, and, and you know, like esophaguses in their body parts. Like, I'm sure we can figure this out. I'm sure we can figure this out. <laughs> can we turn this around? Yes. Answer is always yes. But are we willing to pay the price, right? Are we willing to do what it takes uh, to get there? So one of, the, one of the reasons why I think this lesson is so important, and one of the reasons why we have, you know, started some of our our transformational leadership programs, you know, uh, specifically around teaching people how to coach is that if you've never heard of this, but I believe that, you know, there's this, there's this huge uh, suffering in many organizations called, called the Peter principle. And, and the Peter principle is a concept uh, that, that basically observes that everybody at some point in their life is going to be promoted into incompetence. <laughs> If you've worked, you know, if you've worked in schools for some time or school district or government entities or businesses for a while, you've seen this. You've seen the Peter Principle. Employees are basically promoted based upon their success either in previous job or their internal job until they reach a level where they're no longer competent. Right? And those skills in one job, they don't translate to another because we're not good enough. We're not good enough to just maintain. Everything's moving so fast. I just showed you the examples of how fast things are moving. You know, Apple computers and and you know, 3D printing body parts. Uh, <laughs> you know, nonetheless, the world is changing at a very fast moment. So are our jobs changing, and so are the skills needed in those jobs. But this was based in 1969. They were talking about the Peter Principle, and yet we still struggle with it today. We still suffer on a daily basis. I see this all the time when I'm in schools and organizations. Individuals in positions of leadership, titled uh, positions of leadership, right? Because leadership is influence. Titled positions of leadership that aren't equipped or skilled to do their job. If they're not growing, you know, they're not intentionally growing on a daily basis. They're not. They're not paying the price 
right? They're really focusing on the perks of it, but they're not necessarily focusing on the price. So what I'm about to share is an extraordinary opportunity with you that is going to dramatically improve your leadership ability. And, and I don't, if you know me well, I don't make that claim lightly and I don't do it without the evidence to back it up. So we got about 40 minutes left and I'm, I'm going to lead you through an entirely different level of understanding of how you can positively influence the people you lead, not only going way beyond their existing performance, but way beyond what they thought they were actually capable of. So, so regardless, you know, what you're on this call as a, um, a manager, uh, you know, a principal, a superintendent, an executive director or teacher or, 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 or one of the key employees in an organization, doesn't matter. You're in the business of growing, developing, and improving people. And that makes you a leader more than any other title. And that's a point that I'm going to elaborate further. So if you're on, if you've got your workbook open, I'm on page one, right? We're starting right here. As, as a leader of people, you know the quality of your leadership is determined by the quality of the relationships that, that you have with those that you lead. Which, which ultimately determines the level of performance that they're going to give you back, the organization back, in return. And it's no different from any other, you know, a business owner or corporate CEO or uh, school superintendent, charter school principal, you know, whatever your role might be, the quality of the relationships, right, of that, of that leader, of that, you know, leader, could be a coach, right, could be a system principal could be a teacher has with that's they need their relationship with their staff right with their with their constituents whether it's students families colleagues that's that's going to determine how successful the business will be the quality of their relationships right and and there's there's really the bedrock of our lives is it also relates to our personal relationships. And we might not always think about how the quality of our personal relationships impacts our professional success, but, but deep down, we know that's most important relationship of all. The bottom line is regardless of your uh, position, right. And, or, and, and the vocation, it doesn't matter where you're in, where you're at in the organization. Okay. If you want to be successful, you can't do it alone. And never more than today has your success depended so much on the willing collaboration of others and your ability to influence them beyond existing results, right? Conditions and circumstances of their lives. And all that brings us to the inevitable conclusion that many people completely miss is that the most important skill to master in an organization today, in organizational leadership today, is the art and skill of influence. And think about it for a moment. The ability to influence others isn't a nice to have in life today. It's, it's essential. It's absolutely essential. And yet, I can guarantee if you're the product of the same education system that I was, that I am, you don't, you don't need to, you know, you know, you didn't attend any classes or courses on how to become successful influencers of other people. <laughs> I missed that class. I don't know. Right, 20 some years of education. I don't, I don't recall that course. That's why I, I can assure you, if you're willing to grasp the vital important message I'm going to share with you today and opportunities that, you know, follow it if you choose, your life and leadership ability is about to improve dramatically. Regardless, the information you're going to learn today is going to take you to a different level. That's a, that's a promise that I don't make lightly. Now, consider this. We all know that if a speaker is going to be heard, that speaker has to influence the audience. And if the leader is to be successful in their primary objective of improving the performance of those they manage or lead, he or she also needs to be effective in influencing others. But the problem is, is as much as we might not like to admit it, most of us are not effective in influencing others as we would like to be, right? And I'll explain why that happens here in a second. My, my mentor, John Maxwell, he describes leadership as influence, nothing more and nothing less. But what if there's not a one-size-all-fit approach to influence? 
I mean, it makes sense when you think about it. If we try to influence people in a one-on-one meeting or a small group environment, like a team meeting, the same way we try to influence an audience, if we had a big, you know, staff meeting, or if you were a, a speaker at a conference, you'd be very unsuccessful. It just, it just wouldn't work. And the truth is this essential life skill differs from situation to situation. It doesn't matter what title you hold, whether you consider yourself to be a manager, a leader, or, or business owner. The fact is that if, you, if you're to lead others effectively, meaning your influence on them brings about improved results and great success in every aspect of their lives, you've got, you have to master the art of influence. So before any, you know, we go any further, I, I want to get some terms of reference straight here because what I'm about to share is different, is the difference between management and leadership. And those two terms are thrown together as though they're the same thing, and they are not the same thing. I, I, and I'm not referring to any titles here. I'm referring to the, to the difference in behavior and the impact on people, okay? The behavior and the impact on people. Now, my, my coach coach, Christian Simpson, right? He, he's the creator of, of this Maxwell method of coaching that you're beginning to learn right here. Now, he describes management, right, as the measurement of people, process, and performance, a management is the measurement of people, process, and performance. Now, leadership is the development of people, process, and performance. Now, both have their place and their purpose. But if you're going to influence people to greater results in their school or in their business or in your community and their personal lives, you have to be a leader. And here's the truth. People don't want to be managed. <laughs> they want to be led. Talent wants to be inspired, not just measured. It, it wants to grow and improve. And talent strives to be, do, and have more. So if you're, if you're to bring the best out of people, you need to add value to them. And if you're going to add value to them, you need to ensure you're equipped in how to influence them effectively. And most of us honestly aren't. I know I wasn't, for sure. How many of us are really taught how to influence people? And, and, and how many are taught how to influence people effectively? And by effectively, I mean to the degree that it brings demonstrable, permanent improvements in the results of people that we would like to influence for the better. Not, not many of us. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, not really not many of us at all. And, and here's why. Because most of us have learned how to influence others pretty much by how others have influenced us in the past. And this might work to a certain degree, but if you really think about it, given the most important work of a leader is to influence others, surely just leaving it to chance is, 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 is limiting action. And there's some really big assumptions being made. And the first is that it assumes a person who is influenced us is, 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 is highly skilled in how to influence, right? Who, who, uh, who uh, shaped you, basically, right? Just that because someone has influenced you doesn't mean that they were highly skilled at influencing. And people are influenced by others for all kinds of reasons, often unconsciously, especially when it comes to those we grant authority status to, such as the parents, teachers, bosses, maybe even religious leaders. This is bringing me back to my, to my weekend with my six-year-old son. I'm having some flashbacks already. But secondly, it's very likely that the person who influenced you is using exactly the same methods he or she has learned from other people. And here's why that can be a problem. Is that our understanding of how to influence another person is flawed. Let me elaborate. Most people perceive influence to be getting people to buy into your way of thinking so they'll do what you want them to do, right? That's what I was doing with my six-year-old son. I wanted him to buy into what I wanted, I needed him to do. But that's not influence, that's manipulation. And halfway through my conversation with him, I was like, this is not the way I want this to go. But we see it and we do it time and time again. Manipulation might get people to do what you want them to do initially, but beyond that, nothing changes they soon return to their old habitual ways of doing things and performance levels r remain the same or in some cases, they actually get worse. They might, they might resent you for what you've done. Even those who, who've attended 
training courses to improve our influencing skills have been left shortchanged. It's not because the training wasn't good, but because the underlying assumption behind the training was flawed. And, he, and here's a little why. Is that influence is not bringing someone around to your truth. It's bringing them around to their own. In other words, it's about helping a person think into what is true for them rather than what's true for you. Here's a perfect example of just how much we've got this the wrong way around. Whenever somebody asks for help, what do we immediately do? In the vast majority of cases, we immediately just give them advice. Even when we may not have any experience, we have no experience or knowledge of what they're asking us for help with we still give advice. We tell people what to do or give them their answers. Why do we do that? We do it because that's exactly how people have behaved towards us throughout our entire lives, pretty much when we've asked for help. Our parents told us what to do and what not to do when we were too young to really know the difference between safety and danger, and sometimes that advice kept us alive. But as we got older and we became more self-sufficient, that approach is rarely required, but does it stop our parents and other authority figures in our lives continuing to tell us what to do and what not to do? Not really. And do you know what the implication of this is? We grow up and we become conditioned to always look for answers to our challenges and problems from other people, often without giving a moment's thought to whether the person concerned is actually more qualified than we are to come up with our own answer. It's not unusual to hear a person with a job interview asking for interview tips from their long unemployed neighbor. Which brings us nicely to the biggest implication of all. When somebody gives you advice, tells you what to do, and provides you with your answers, you don't have to think. And when we give someone advice, tell them what to do, and provide them with the answers, as well-intentioned as we may be, we deny that person the opportunity to think. We've been, programming, we've been programmed to avoid thinking our whole lives. And I've already discussed how our parents, who loved us dearly, but sometimes knew no better, told us what to do and what not to do. Then we get to school. And if you went through the same education system I did, every day you were taught what to think, not how to. And we get to work, and what does a boss do? Gives us advice, directs us, tells us what to do. And we're put in training programs that, again, teach us what to do. We're all products of our environment. And the truth of the matter is our parents, our teachers, our bosses, as, as well-intentioned as they might have been, they all taught what to think, not how to think. And there's one thing I can guarantee that's limiting people that you lead and denying them the opportunity to perform at a much higher level. It's their inability to think. And here's two reasons why this is so important to really grasp. First, we're not in the industrial age anymore. We, we live in the information age. It's, it's entirely a different paradigm that the Industrial Revolution was built an autocratic, directive management style that assumed people were unresourceful and needing directing to be effective. But if you're treating people like that today, you're just going to shut them down and lose them. I've been in multiple organizations where that was, that was the process, and we were a turnover factor. <laughs> in the, in the today's world, I mean, ideas are the new currency. Creativity is, is, is the new wealth. If you're not unlocking the creative abilities of those you lead, and you're not equipped to improve the quality of thinking that they're bringing to, to the, the organization, right? to their classroom, uh, to the, you know, to the uh, collaborative uh, uh, workroom, and, and maybe their personal lives. I can assure you that you're limiting the potential of, of your people. And secondly, thinking is the highest function of which we're, we're capable. It's, it's not a subject taught in either traditional or business education. However, all of the greatest leaders from every walk in life over the last 6,000 years of recorded history have unanimously agreed that what we think about, we become. So is there a more important subject to understand than how we help a person to think? If there is, I've, 
I've yet to find it. You see, the bottom line is that the quality of a person's life will always be in direct proportion to the quality of thinking he or she is applying to their life. And poor quality of thinking can only produce poor quality results. Average thinking can only produce average results. Constantly improving quality of thinking can only produce constantly improving results. That's the law of cause and effect asserting itself. And the thing is, when do you think the last time most people, the people in, in our business, right, in your business, whatever business you're in, the people we employ, the people we hire, or the people we serve, did anything to improve the quality of their own thinking? Most people will never think to improve their thinking because they assume they're already thinking because they're experiencing mental activity. Mental activity does not constitute thought. How did you drive to work today, right? Did you think about driving to work today? I mean, most people are rerunning the same old mental patterns, the same old habitual ways of thinking every day, week, month, year, and in more cases you could ever imagine, decade after decade. And how can you tell? The results. The results hardly change. And results leave clues. 2,000 years ago, a wise teacher spoke in his truth when he said, by their fruits, you shall know them. Truth is, most people don't want to think, not because they're not capable, not because they haven't been given the same creative abilities as any other human being, not because they lack any more potential in the areas of their natural giftedness than anyone, but really because it's just alien to them. Is it any wonder most people don't think? We're all products of our environment. If you spent your entire life being told what to think and what to do by other people, why would you operate any differently if you didn't know any better? Henry Ford recognized the problem. He observed that thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably why so few partake in it. <laughs> the truth is most people are dreadfully uncomfortable with the idea of thinking and will avoid it at all costs. And we have a society engineered to disengage the mind. Entertainment rules, Television, computer games, movies, media, and paperbacks are all designed to avoid thinking. Thanks, Cynthia. I love that quote, too. <laughs> I got another one coming up. Here you go. This one's for you, Cynthia. George Bernard Shaw said, 2% of people think, 3% think they think, and 95% would rather die than think. Ouch, right? I mean, ouch. But consider this. When, was, when, when do you think the last time the average person came in contact with someone who helped them think? I can assure you, it, if it's happened to them, it's, it's, it's very rare. Most people are directed and told what to do and think. And is it any wonder, therefore, that they don't? A leader empowers people to think into better results. Now, if you're going to be a person of influence, if you're going to be a person equipped to take people beyond their existing results, you have to be a person equipped to help people think. And with the greatest respect, unless you've been trained and educated in the, the Maxwell method of coaching, it's extremely unlikely that, that you're using that model. An entirely different skill set is required than traditional directive style of leadership. If you're going to light up the performance of your, of your teachers and your colleagues and your team and ensure your employees are willing to go beyond contractual obligation to the discretionary level of effort that it makes, that really takes to make a difference and get the highest results, overcome their fears and challenges so they can live a far happier and more fulfilled life. They need to draw deep from the reservoirs of potential with them by using this Maxwell method of coaching that you're beginning to learn today. Now, before I elaborate on, on how you can, you know, get a, a more understanding of the Maxwell method of coaching, let's really first focus on why learning how to coach is so vital to your success as a leader. Because as, as John says, leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less. So then learning how to coach is the most important education a leader can honestly have. So why? Because coaching is the most powerful means 
of influencing another person to greater success. It differentiates the manager from the leader. Because next to our own behavior, how we show up in life, right? Coaching's, coaching's the most powerful. Now, I, I personally believe that you, that you cannot lead unless you know how to coach. The problem is that most people completely misunderstand what coaching is. They, they think of the traditional view of a sports coach, the expert or the, or the tactician that shares knowledge, experience, and tells people what to do and, and how to do it. And this is not what a coaching leader does. In fact, it's quite the opposite. The last thing a coaching leader does is to give people their answers. Why? Because a true leader, a coaching leader, is in the business of helping people improve the quality of thinking that they're bringing to their own life. That's influence. That's the art of transformational leadership. And that's why coaching is the most important skill set of a leader. So what I'm going to share next, don't laugh, but it's a very simple graphic that opens up a whole new level of understanding of what it takes to lead yourself and others to a greater success. It, do not allow the simplicity of this graphic to distract you from its eye-opening ability to help you understand how you and those you lead actually operate. Now, earlier I shared how thinking is the highest function of which we're capable, and it's, it's not a subject taught. I didn't go to thinking class that maybe you guys did. I, I didn't go to thinking class uh, in, in any of my, you know, you know, education, K-12, bachelor's, master's, doctorate. Uh, but even though all of the greatest leaders throughout the last 6,000 years have all agreed that what you and I think about, we become. So if the quality of our thinking is the cause of the effects that we know to be the result, then it makes sense that it's the most vital it's, it's vitally important that we as leaders understand how we think and we, and we think in images, right? Check it out. If I, if I ask you to think of your home, I'm gonna just think of your home. What do you see? You don't see the, the word or the letters H-O-M-E. You probably see a picture of where you live, where you have lived or where you're maybe currently living now or maybe a home that you want to have one day. Now, if I quickly ask you to think of your car, Instantly, the image of your home is gone, and now you see a picture of a car you have or have had or maybe, maybe you want. I mean, we literally think in pictures. That's why vision boarding <laughs> is, is an important skill, vision boarding. Now, think of your mind. Now, if, if I ask you to think of your mind, what image do you get? Most people don't get an image at all. Maybe some get an image of a brain. I mean, that's very common, but it's, but it's actually misleading. The, the brain is a marvelous and incredibly complex organ, but it's, but it's not the mind. And just to clarify, you think with the brain. It doesn't think independently of you. And to prove that point, they've still got Einstein's brain in a jar somewhere, and it's been no use to him since he left it. Mind is movement, and body is a manifestation of that movement. And so no one's ever seen the mind, and we think in pictures, where there's no, no picture to work with is where confusion sets in and confused people do nothing. And that's why the proverb states, where there is no vision, the people perish. It doesn't mean that they perish physically, it just means that they perish psychologically because the mind with no image to work with lacks clarity and direction. So think about this for a moment. If leadership is influence and results are effects, then as leaders, our business is to influence the mind. The mind to a leader is like the engine of a car to a mechanic. If we're, if we're to influence others to greater results, we have to get under the hood and influence the engine that produces those results. We have to work with the cause, not the effect. And that's why the graphic I'm going to share is so important to you. It powerfully illustrates the creative process within our minds that we as leaders need to influence if we're, if, we're, if we're going to help those that we lead to greater success. I'm going to reiterate, don't allow the simplicity of this drawing to lead you to underestimate the understanding that it's going to bring you. Without this understanding and the inner eye of understanding, your ability to influence others is, is, is limited, I can assure you. There's nothing more important for a leader to grasp that this, 
this simple graphic and what it reveals. All right. And so since no one's ever seen the picture of the mind and we're raised to operate through our five senses, we, we tend to live in ignorance of anything that we can't see, hear, taste, touch, or smell. And that's a limit to our understanding, and which is why most of us rarely focus on where our highest power is found, preferring instead to focus on the lower side of nature, our visible physical body. As, mag as magnificent as it is, it is only an instrument of the mind. And that's why we're using this simple graphic here. So if you don't have the visual up, just draw a circle on your paper and write the mind right, right in the middle of it. That's how simple this graphic is. Now, a large, that large circle that's to just represent the mind. And, and then so the large circle represents the mind. It splits in, into two. It, it represents the two prior, primary functions of the mind. You got the conscious mind at the top and the subconscious mind underneath. Now, your conscious mind is your thinking mind. It's your, it's your free will. It's your reason and intellects. It all, it all lies here. It's also where our awareness lies. So the more consciously aware you become in an area of life, the less controlled you are by habit and the more success you'll enjoy as a consequence. Now, this part of your personality has the ability to accept, reject, or neglect any idea that's accepted uncritically from an outside source through your five physical senses or any idea originating in, in your consciousness through the use of imagination. Now, as we're about to discover, even though the conscious mind provides us with the ability to think, it doesn't automatically mean there's much thinking going on at all. Remember, mental activity does not necessarily constitute thought. And even though, even though the conscious mind has tremendous capabilities, it's not the most powerful part of your personality. That belongs to your subconscious mind, which is your emotional mind. And this is where you feel life. Every moment of your life is stored here, all your habits and your belief systems, which are the primary influence on the quality of your thinking and the architect of your results, all formed and reside in this part of your personality. Now, this, this is the seat of your untapped uh, potential. Now, it's called untapped because you're not currently aware of it. Your untapped potential awaits expression through you via conscious recognition. The subconscious has extraordinary capability. It's part of what's running your entire physical body and billions of processes that are simultaneously under, underway within it as you listen to my words. Now, take this as an example. You're not consciously beating your heart, digesting your lunch, or you know, doing any other of the billions of processes away in your physical body. It's not being done by you. It's being done for you. If you had to consciously beat your heart, you wouldn't be here much longer than it takes me to finish the sentence. So even though this part of your personality is most magnificent part of you, unlike the conscious mind, it has no ability to reject or, or uh, neglect ideas. It can only accept whatever thoughts are impressed upon it by the conscious mind. You choose your thoughts and you can choose to focus on positive or negative thoughts. You can choose to focus on the successes that you've had of what got you where you are today, or you can focus on the failures and your perceived shortcomings. You can focus on the results you'd like to have in your life or the focus on the results you're currently getting. Whatever you choose, there are implications. Many people don't give a second thought to what they're thinking or, 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 the, or the implication of it. In fact, many people experience the same habitual ways of thinking for months, years, and decades, never understanding the cause and effect relationships between the way that they think and the results that they get. So not only that, with the 24 seven you know, day a week media exposure we get, we're continually bombarded by the mind with negative news stories. Is it any wonder why so many people are full of fear, stress, anxiety, low self-worth, when their conscious minds are flooded with constant stream of toxicity? We're watching other people live more successful lives through their Facebook page? Here's why it's so important. The thoughts that you choose are impressed on the subconscious mind. And every thought your conscious mind chooses to accept, your subconscious has to accept. 
And those thoughts are impressed upon the subconscious mind that they feel that they cause feelings or emotion. The word emotion is an abbreviation for energy and motion. Now that emotion and energy motion has to be expressed through only physical medium that the subconscious mind controls, which is the body. And we know that expression to be the actions and the behaviors, which ultimately generates the results that we get in our lives. This is, this is the creative process that flows to and through us all. And it's always in operation. It never ceases to call forth whether the results it generates are you know, perceived to be good or to be bad. And this is why most of the most prominent thinkers through the ages all agree that what you and I both think about, we ultimately become. The only quality control measure applied to the creative process is the one of your own conscious choosing. And understand this, if you're not consciously choosing your thoughts, you're thinking as you've always thought. And the creative process will continue to call forth regardless. It can do nothing else but recreate the same kind of results over and over and over again. And this is why people persistently fail to make improvement in their life. They lack the understanding of how the creative process works and how to influence it to work in your own favor. This is why you know, joining us in our upcoming uh, workshop where you'll learn the Maxwell Method of Coaching is so critical to either your success or your team's success or whoever, whoever is those, those, daily, those daily transformational leaders in your organization. Because coaching is the only means by which you can successfully interrupt the habitual ways of thinking that keep us trapped in that perceptual cycle of continuous underachievement. All right, so let's, so let's take one more look. So this is what makes coaching so trans, transformational. So let's look at the graphic of the mind and the creative process from a different angle. Keeping, keeping cause, cause and effect, right? keeping the mind cause and effect. So as leaders, we're looking to improve results. Results are effects. And if we're going to influence results, then the most intelligent question we can ask is, what is the immediate cause of my results? And the actions is my actions and my behaviors. You don't need a you know, degree in neurosurgery to, to really work that one out, everybody. But what is the immediate cause of our actions and behaviors? Now, this is where it really becomes interesting because if we're strictly to follow the wisdom of what we think about we become, the answer would obviously be how we think. However, as true as a statement that is, it doesn't go far enough to explain the ultimate cause and effect relationship in the creative process. Because if we're gonna help improve how a person thinks, we need to understand what's currently influencing their existing way of thinking. And then that brings us to belief systems. Our beliefs are the architect of our thinking, behavior, and results. The problem is we're not aware of them. They operate outside of our conscious awareness. And until a person becomes consciously aware of a belief system and the implications of it, they can't evaluate and modify it in the pursuit of greater results. Now, have you ever wondered why so many people who go on diets, they reduce their weight only to end up really, you know, putting it back on again. I, I, I've been this way, I think, four times in the last couple of years. It, it's a, have you ever wondered why so many people vow to stop smoking, but, and they do so for a short time, but only return to even a, a greater addiction than the last time? Like, the, like they've, you know, missed out on something for those months? Or maybe even have you ever attended a great training program full of powerful information, but yet just a few weeks later, you uh, forgot most of it and nothing's actually changed in your results? Or how about New Year's resolutions? I mean, have you ever wondered why no matter how much you tell people to do something, they might do it once or twice, but before long, they return back to the same old behavior time and time again. It's because there's been no change at the level of beliefs. And like it or not, what a person believes about themselves, their potential, and their, their um, abilities for their future ultimately determines their success in life. And our and our beliefs reside in the subconscious, which means that they're outside of our conscious awareness. You can't change what you're not aware of. You can pour as much information as you like into the conscious mind. If you fail to influence at both conscious and subconscious levels of the personality, there can be no sustainable improvement in results. And that's why coaching is the only intervention that influences at both 
the conscious and the subconscious level. That's why I'm, you know, I'm inviting you to our next step. It's a, it's a career-defining, life-changing experience that will dramatically improve your ability to influence people to greater success. And, 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 and so in our coaching skills for leaders uh, program, we've got a workshop coming up in a couple of weeks. You'll, you'll discover tried, tested, and proven strategies that dramatically improve the lives of hundreds of thousands of people across the world, which, which is the Maxwell method of, of coaching. And, and here's why it's so uh, powerful and so vital. Without these skills, your ability to influence is, is significantly restricted. And that means your ability to lead is significantly restricted, which means the performance of the people that you lead will also be significantly restricted. And I want to make sure I'm very clear on this because it's really it's really important to your success truly depends on, on, the, on the abilities of the people around you. And management leadership are not titles or positions in an organizational structure, they're behaviors. And you can find people managing at the executive level. They might have, have a business and people to lead, but it doesn't mean they're leading. The world is rich in managers measuring people, but it's poor in leaders developing them. It's because very few people are equipped in the skills that, that you, you would learn in this workshop. And so I'll, so I'll take you through a powerful, highly interactive experience to transfer the skills that you need to take your ability to influence others to that whole level. You won't, it won't turn you into a professional certified coach, but it'll radically transform how you structure the conversations with those you lead or those you work alongside with. So you have a great, have a far greater impact on the performance on, on those individuals. And at the end of the day, it's, it's the results that matter and part of those results might have being more present at home so you can be so your people can do more as you noted uh, what you would like your team to execute so so that's my promise to you it's not only going to just dramatically improve the quality of your relationships at work and and uh, position you in the mind of colleagues peers and employees as a person of influence it will positively improve the quality of every relationship in your in your personal life and i don't i don't make that claim lightly and i'm going to take a step further and you know we actually have a, a 100 percent you know a guarantee if, if you don't feel as though a training that you came to in our organization that 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 it met your expectations and gave you um gave you uh, you know twice three times maybe the worth of what it, what you paid for i'll we just give you your money back um so no uh, questions asked. So so I can't stand more on my promise, you know, than that. Right? I'll you know I'll you know if you want to you can you can go to the link. I'll show you the link in a second, and I'm going to take you know I'm going to open up for some questions. But so uh, before I do, here's just a quick outline of what that uh, training program is. So so you'll go through the same coaching uh, training that I actually personally went through in Orlando. Uh, we'll we'll you know observe that uh, training and we'll do some and and we'll do some uh, practical practical application of it. Um, and, you know, again, this is coming from, you know, decades of, 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 uh, of uh, research and equipping other, other executives. Um, so in the face-to-face -face workshop, it's got interactive teaching, a, a live coaching session that you'll actually observe one and you'll actually practice one yourself. Uh, and, and the resources and techniques to, to hone your skills and really, really learn uh, the overall impact of, of uh, questions and how to ask uh, powerful questions. Uh, how to build a coaching environment. And it really, you know, the workshop is very successful because it maximizes a triangulation of learning experiences from being the coach to being coached to being the observer. Uh, of of uh, the coach and that really that really helps and there's oops excuse me um, so you'll get all the information on the skill set of coaching you get direct experience uh, you'll actually be coached uh, by uh, someone in the room and you'll have the power of observation as you watch uh, the uh, coaching occur so uh, here's a little bit about the two levels of programs that we have we have one coming up october 22nd in raleigh and october 24th in uh, charlotte and that's our half day workshop but then we also have a year-long program to uh, fully develop uh, your coaching or uh, your team uh, as as well that's a little bit more intense and a lot more practical application and some quarterly uh, check-ins as well and, and lifetime access 
uh, to our uh, support uh, program. So you can come to one of our half day workshops um, in, in the next couple of weeks, or if you want your team or some of, some of your staff to go through it, we could, we could look at some uh, private dates. So, so I went through that fast. Uh, and, and, and again, what, what, what questions might you have about uh, uh, what you learned today specifically? Uh, the link is down there if you wanna go and uh, register for one of our sessions or if you wanna learn more about uh, the sessions. But your success in life will only be determined by the uh, questions that you're willing to ask and willing to answer. So you can either put your questions in uh, the chat box or you are free to unmute yourself and ask something about uh, the coaching process uh, or, or the thinking process. Uh, I'm really curious about how many uh, on, on the line uh, take the time uh, to think themselves because uh, it's such a hard and busy life that we all uh, lead. And how many of you maybe have sustained uh, uninterrupted thinking time on your daily calendar <laughs> uh, to ensure that you are always bringing your best on a daily basis. So I will honestly say when I first went through this uh, coaching program uh, in 2014 in February, uh, I did not understand uh, the full, uh, you know, a coaching model. I went through cognitive coaching training when I was um, in college, but it was never at the level uh, of what of what I learned and what I experienced. So, um, highly recommend it. Uh, and and uh, and so, what are your next steps? Right, you you, you just invested in an hour, you know, with me and 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 maybe with colleagues with you. What is your what is your application from this you know, time? I mean, looking at that very simple graphic, right? that very simple graphic of, of, of the conscious mind and the subconscious mind and how our subconscious mind is impacted from our, from our thoughts and ideas and what we're bringing in it. What are you doing on a daily basis to ensure that you're bringing in the right information uh, from the right sources uh, to, grow, to grow yourself? So. Awesome. All right. So what are you going to apply? What are you going to change? What are you going to teach uh, someone else? And, and uh, reach out uh, if you have any uh, questions about the uh, trainings coming up or the opportunities uh, to grow your, your own leadership uh, through, through, the powerful, uh, through the power of the coaching process and, and attending one of our sessions uh, or, just, or just learning more about it. We're happy uh, to spend some time with you. So again, this is uh, Tom. And uh, you can reach out to me at tom at lbleaders.com if you don't have my email. And I will make sure I send out an archive of this recording uh, and, and a workbook so then, so then you can uh, go through it a second time if it, if it went too fast. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for what you do. I believe in you and I believe in your dream. So keep on marching confidently towards it.